knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now these are not seven distinct spirits, but only one Holy Spirit in his sevenfold activity. And this passage probably referred to the anointing that characterized Old Testament figures who were regarded as divinely guided and led the nation of Israel. Now some, some Bible readers assume that the Spirit's activity in Scripture is limited to the New Testament. But actually, he's just as active in the Old Testament. No clear statement of the intimate working of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and especially of the Spirit's powerful role, can be found in the Old Testament and in Isaiah's prophecy of the servant of the Lord. That's Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. But I only want to take an excerpt from that. Here is my servant whom I behold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. The passage summarizes the redeeming work of all three persons of the Trinity in the salvation of the lost. Thus it ties together in remarkable harmony both the Old Testament and New Testament understandings of God's grace. It also sheds light on our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Now, Old Testament believers were both regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Indwelt means permanently present as an inner activating spirit. Old Testament saints, before they became saints, were spiritually dead. And they needed the Holy Spirit's impartation of spiritual life in order to become spiritually alive. Now here are some distinct areas where the Holy Spirit is evident in the Old Testament. The Spirit participated in creation. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The image of the Spirit of God hovering over the waters is similar to a mother bird caring for and protecting its young. The Spirit gave life to creatures and the earth. To send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. The Spirit breathed life into humans. And when the Lord God formed man in dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now the body itself is a lifeless shell. Until God brings it to life with his breath of life, our life and our worth therefore comes from God's spirit. Now it's interesting that in Genesis, when God endows people with life by breathing into their nostrils the breath of life, the word for breath is the same word translated elsewhere as spirit. The spirit was recognized by men. The Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Pharaoh recognized that Joseph was a man who was endowed with the spirit of God. The spirit strived with sinners. And the Lord said, my spirit will not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Their days will be 120 years means that God was allowing the people of Noah's day 120 years to change their sinful ways. 
The Spirit gave extraordinary powers to leaders. In the book of Judges, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Asbrites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerful upon Samson, so that he tore the line apart with his bare hands, just as he might have torn a young goat. The Spirit of the Lord came powerful upon Saul, so that he would prophesy with a procession of prophets coming down from the high place, and he would be changed into a different person. When Saul disobeyed, the spirit departed. Then an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Once the Holy Spirit left Saul, God allowed an evil spirit to torment him as judgment for his disobedience, demonstrating God's power over the spirit world. The spirit inspired King David. The spirit of the Lord spoke to David and his word was on his tongue. Now, David spoke of a just and righteous ruler. This would be fulfilled by Jesus Christ when he returns to rule in perfect justice and peace. The Spirit guided the prophets. God spoke to Ezekiel, whereas the Spirit entered him and raised him to be a prophet. When God saw Ezekiel's open and obedient attitude, he filled Ezekiel with his spirit and gave him power for the job ahead which was to give God's message to the rebellious people of Israel. The Spirit inspired holiness. David asked God to teach him his will and for the Spirit to lead him on level ground. David's prayer was to be taught God's will, not his own, to redirect his life with the help of the Spirit. The Spirit encouraged morality. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. God promised to restore Israel, not only physically, but spiritually. God would give them a new heart and put his spirit within them. The spirit prophesied of the Messiah. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Judah would be a tree chopped down to a stump. But from that stump, a new shoot would grow, the Messiah, who would be greater than the original tree and who would bear much fruit. The Spirit identified the coming Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. And thus, we come full cycle from the Old Testament to the New Testament, where Jesus claimed to be the fulfillment of this prophecy, which Jesus read to the people on the Sabbath day in the synagogue in Nazareth. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place in Isaiah where the prophecy was, and he proceeded to read. When he had finished it, he said to them that today this scripture is fulfilled in their hearing. In John 14, Jesus is explaining the future role of the Holy Spirit as comforter in the life of each believer. Prior to his ascension, Jesus had been acting as the comforter. The role as comforter began with Jesus when he was anointed by the Spirit, when the Spirit came down from heaven as a dove and remained on him, subsequent 
to his baptism under John. Prior to his anointing, Jesus had done no miracles, but had functioned in the role of Messiah. I'm sorry, had not functioned in the role of Messiah, nor in the role of comforter. After his anointing with the Holy Spirit, he began his ministry, and he assumed the role of Messiah and comforter. On the resurrection day, Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room, and he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They did, but not in the sense of regeneration, for they were already saved. They received him in the sense of comforter. Also in the upper room, Jesus told his saved disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father occurred at Pentecost when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can find that in Acts 2. In this story, it's how the saved disciples were entirely sanctified. Peter testified that their hearts were purified by faith. Thus, Pentecost was the beginning of yet another role for the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, was one of the three major annual feasts. It was held 50 days after the Passover. It was the festival of thanksgiving for the harvested crops. Jews of many nations gathered in Jerusalem for this festival, so it would have been just as crowded as it had been on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered it. After the sound of a blowing, violent wind that came from heaven, they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire coming to rest on them, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was a fulfillment of John the Baptist's word about the Holy Spirit baptizing with fire and the prophet Joel's words about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in a sense of representing and authenticating the power and the presence of the risen and glorified Christ. The Holy Spirit could not do this until after the resurrection. He did, however, operate, as I said before, as an agent of regeneration and indweller. Now, Christ was working to usher in a new kingdom by the Spirit of God, working in God's people, in God's world to do something in God's people's soul to restore their spirit and align it with his. And once the Holy Spirit enters in the inside of each believer, some very powerful and profound things will start to happen if they open their hearts up to the Holy Spirit's influence. Now, how do you do this? Answer, through prayer. You have to invite the Holy Spirit into your heart. There are some very specific ministries that the Holy Spirit has with each and every one of us if we're willing to be guided by him. He will draw the unsaved sinner to Jesus. He will convict both unbelievers and believers. He will regenerate our human spirits. He will draw us closer to God. He will sanctify us in the Lord. He will help us with our prayer life. He will guide us into all the truth. He will teach us all things. He will anoint us with his divine power. He will be our helper and comforter in this life. He will bestow upon us nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he will bestow upon us nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, the saving work is done in the heart as you spend time with God. All people, all people 
belong to Christ. And his spirit will work in all the nations with the goal of seeking the lost. Reflectively today upon the works of the spirit in our lives. Regeneration, renewal, revival. We need him first because he is the power for regeneration. He is the one who convicts. He is the one who enlightens us to the need for Christ. He is the one who prompts us to the words of Christ. We are able to know Christ and worship him because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And once the human spirit has been fully regenerated, you will now be truly born again in the Lord. It's good to remind ourselves that this life revolves around Christ. It's founded on a relationship, not on some rules, not on rituals, not on routines. The Christian life is not about keeping rules, but knowing Christ. This is fundamental. And we need to remind ourselves of that, that it's all about Christ. The Holy Spirit does not point us to a set of doctrines or guidelines for life. He points us to Jesus Christ. The Christian life is not just about salvation, but it's about transformation. If you do not spend some kind of quality time in the Bible learning what God wants to change about you, then the Holy Spirit is not going to be able to move inside of you to sanctify you to the degree that God would really like to see in your lifetime. Now that is why true sanctification is accomplished by both the Word and the Spirit working together. Everyone wants to change for the better, but ultimately, a true and lasting change in life can only come from the Holy Spirit. He changes us from the inside out. Now we saw this radical change in the disciples and the believers after them. We saw lives change where Jesus was preached. We saw that change in the book of Acts and throughout the Roman world. We've been seeing that change down through history. The Holy Spirit transforms us and in turn the world around us. God is interested not just in saving you, but in changing you. He wants to change you back into his likeness, to be just like Christ, to be passionate about the Father's kingdom, just like Christ. In other words, change will come when you surrender to the Lord. It has been well said that we do not need more of the Spirit. He needs more of us. And once you come into a full surrender with the Lord, He will then set you up in the perfect plan and destiny that He created for your life. He will start to lead you step by step into the fulfillment of the divine destiny. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. He now has the personal ministry of leading all of us into the perfect plan and the destiny that God has for our lives. How do we allow the Spirit to control our lives? Learn from the disciples. They took a stand to trust Christ and make the choice to obey his plan and his will. When they did that, the Holy Spirit enabled them. The more I submit to him, the more the Spirit is able to control me and allow my choices to glorify God. Acknowledge him. Because the Holy Spirit aids you every day in the little choices that you are making. Is he an untapped resource of help in your life today? Have you been acknowledging his presence 
each day? Do you recognize his voice when he calls? I want to tell you a little, kind of a personal story. Some of you have heard parts of it, maybe not all of it. Some of you may not have heard any of it all. In August 2013, I got this urging, this presence, that I had to uh, get the application for the American Baptist Church's Leadership Academy, and I had to fill it out now, and I had to enroll now. And I asked Pastor Joe about that, and he said, well, I got buried on my desk somewhere, I'll, I'll dig it up. Well, when he got it to me, I had like two weeks to take care of all the things I needed to do to get registered. And you remember, I, I asked the deacon, I was only supposed to get one deacon to sign it, but I asked all of my deacons to sign that for me. And when I, when I got there, you know, it, and, and started in, uh, into the classes, it's like, man, there's an awful lot to do. I don't know if I belong here. I really don't. Then in January 2014, I got called in the HR office. And they said, you were planning on retiring at the end of 2014, weren't you? I said, yeah, I was. Well, how about retiring at the end of January? And it's like, wow, that, that really hit. Well, um, uh, I'll, I'll talk to my wife about it, and I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Well, I went back, and I sat in my office, and I'm sitting at my desk. And I'll tell you what, I was really, man, I was really dejected. I don't think I'd felt that low. I, I couldn't even tell you if I ever felt that low. And I heard this voice say that, you work for PC Sierra Falls for four years, now it's time to go to work for me. And so, yeah, I took that retirement, and I was able to be taken care of by God monetarily, so I wasn't hurt monetarily so that I could continue with the schooling. Now my last year, my last year in January, I got this urging that I needed to complete all the work now between January and March, the next class. So I did. I finished all my requirements for all the classes, including my finals. So when I went in March, I handed everything in. In April, that's when we lost our son in the house fire. And I know that from the urging of the Holy Spirit that he knew what was ahead. And by completing everything I did, I was able to finish. I don't know if I would have had the heart to finish it without that. But I knew that it was the Spirit that was urging me on in my life to go forward and to complete this. One of the many reasons that Christians do not make much spiritual growth in this life is because they're not seeking God's Word. And from God's Word, gaining the resource that will cause this growth to actually occur. The Spirit helps us out in our own personal prayer life as well. He will also make intercessions for us on all the different needs that arise in our life. Since the Holy Spirit is God and Lord himself, he's able to see perfectly into our futures and know what we need before we even know need it. And as a result, he will be way ahead of us and he will be praying to God the Father on many different needs that we will not even be aware of. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in you. The Spirit is trying to lead you to follow the head of the church. And this is not a morality teaching, but keeping in step with the Spirit. Christ is helping you to take off the old man, and the Spirit is helping you to put on the new restored man. And if not, you can be misled by what the Apostle Paul called the ruler of the air. 
and then be filled with the wrong spirit. The ruler of the air, Satan, interferes with our relationship with God. Satan loves divisiveness, confusion, distrust. He uses the flesh to keep us separate and rebellious. He who separates himself falls to his own ideas. Because where do those ideas come from? Ideas have consequences that lead to emotional, spiritual conflict, especially when you're following the wrong spirit. Proverbs 14.2 states that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it will lead to death. Sometimes we have trouble hearing the Spirit of God when we're listening to the wrong spirit. Now I'm talking about the silent war. I'm talking about that division that's within us, that I'm not good enough. I'm not loving enough. I'm not prayerful enough. I'm not adequate enough. I just don't matter. Satan takes advantage of this. A man looks at himself and he grows unloving. And he can't accept how God would love him. The desire of the flesh is to not know Christ. The desire of the spirit is to know Christ. Walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For they are in opposition to each other. When we carry out the desires of the flesh, we grieve the Holy Spirit by sinfulness that is unworthy of our calling. We grieve the Spirit the most in our relationships, either hard-hearted marriages in our parenting, or cold-heartedness in the workplace, introducing a separation between the Lord and us. What does the Holy Spirit want for you? The Spirit does the sanctification, the fruit of your relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is called the helper in the Bible, and there is nothing that he cannot give you a helping hand on if you will be open to receiving this kind of help from him. There are literally an infinite number of things where the Holy Spirit can get personally involved in our lives and give us a helping hand, since his knowledge on all things is perfect, and ours is not. The Spirit saves us from selfishness, freedom, joy, fruitfulness, these show the tangible evidence that the Spirit is working in our lives. Freedom is to submit myself to the Master, live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. When you follow the Holy Spirit, your sensitivity becomes acute, and you seek to understand what God is doing inside you and a strong desire to follow Christ. The Holy Spirit touching you makes you aware of a hunger within you that finds fulfillment and meaning in His redeeming and de -redef in his redeeming, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> in the redeeming aspect of the Holy Spirit and help to redefine the relationship with God. If you follow the Holy Spirit, you must become a servant. Don't focus on your sins, focus on Christ. If he is your Lord, serve with him. If you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. The Holy Spirit will disclose to us who love God the will of God, and he will lead you. The Spirit reminds us that there is so much more. There is a hunger inside of you that finds fulfillment and meaning in him. We have a craving for the ideal. There is an actual hole in the heart that God had reserved just for himself where you know that something is missing and that you don't have it all together. 
We search for that fulfillment of the heart and the open arms of God, the fullness of God. Our hearts are restless until they can find rest in Him, in the love of God, who works through the Spirit for the good in you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are present in their fullness in Jesus Christ. We receive them when we are infused with the sanctifying grace of God. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Infused with his gifts, we respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit as if by instinct, the way Christ himself would. And finally, there are very special fruits that the Holy Spirit can transmit and impart into our personalities. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are the following. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits are divine attributes and qualities that will be coming direct from the Holy Spirit, not from ourselves. In other words, this will be God's love, joy, and peace that will start to flow and operate through us, not our own limited and imperfect love, joy, and peace. And once these kinds of divine qualities start flowing through your personality, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you can begin to become the truly sanctified saint that God is calling you to become in this life. When you really study and meditate on all the ministries of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about something so profound and so powerful that I think many Christians are missing what we have available to us. In other words, the more you seek after God, the more he will seek after you. And once the Lord starts showing himself to you in a wide variety of ways, your life will never be the same again. You will find out very quickly that God wants to walk, talk, and fellowship with you on an everyday basis. And this is where the real adventure in life is. Walking with the Lord. Being willing to share your entire life with Him. He will help you, guide you, and teach you. He will start to mold and shape you into a better and more holy person through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. These ministries of the Holy Spirit are powerful and life-changing, and they will completely alter the course of your life if you decide to embark on this supernatural journey with the Lord. Amen. Dear Father, I ask that hearts and minds would be open to your word, that your congregation would take these with them, that they would search their own lives and see where the Holy Spirit is influenced and rejoice in, in the in the newness each day of the Spirit being in their life and guiding them. I offer these words in your most precious name, Jesus. Amen.